Hey church, awesome, so good to be with you in God's house tonight and um, wasn't worship awesome, hey? We really appreciate the worship team, you guys were incredible tonight and it's so good to be part of a church that loves to worship God and uh, let's take a moment, let's just pray before we get into God's word tonight. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord God, that Lord, you speak to us through your word, your word tells us that your word is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And so, Lord, we're just trusting tonight that, Lord, your word will, will cut into our hearts, Lord, and just show us, Lord, what, what we need to do, Lord, what we need to change. And that, Lord, we would be ready, you'll be ready to answer you, Lord, when you call us. In Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. 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 Awesome. You guys can go ahead and grab your seats. I'm excited to share God's word with you tonight. Andre said there's no rush, um, there's literally no time limit because there's, there's load shedding and, you know, there's no power at home. Uh, so thanks, Andre. <laughs> awesome. There we go. I'm, I'm really trusting God to, to speak to us tonight just as I share something that he's laid on my heart. And we are in our series, Matters of the Heart. And it's been a great series, and it can be quite challenging because we're talking about matters of the heart, you know, things that are, are quite personal to each of us. And we're talking about what's going in and our, on in our hearts. But I trust that it's been helpful to you. And in the first week, you know, Andre, um, I think it was Andre, spoke about how we are stewards. And we need to have a sense of responsibility in our hearts to care for and to, and to grow the things of God, the things that he's entrusted to us. And we were reminded that everything that we have comes from God, that he gives us um, every opportunity, uh, he blesses us with so much, and, and we need to see every rand as a gift from God, so, you know, something that we, we need to be grateful for and that we need to steward and we need to share with others as God leads us. And then last week we looked at the heart and, and Chris did an awesome job just encouraging us to be generous. And I love that. It's, it all happens in the heart. You know, when I was uh, in high school, I went on a youth camp in Glen Ken and I experienced God for the first time and I gave my life to him. Guys, God speaks to young people on camps. And so next month we trust in God that he is gonna, he's gonna change lives that he's gonna speak into young people's lives just the way he spoke into my life. But I gave my life to him and on that weekend, a youth leader spoke to me and he said to me, you know, Jesus gave everything for you, now you've gotta give everything for him. And it struck me, you know, what he was saying, it just made sense. Everything of me was, was now for him. And God wanted my whole heart, my whole heart belonged to him. And this is such an important thing in our walk with God. He doesn't want a piece of our hearts, but he wants our whole heart. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 35, that a good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. So we've got to, we've got to watch what's going on in our hearts. We've got to protect our hearts. We've got to make sure that that our hearts are right before God. And we can ask him for help. We don't have to do that alone, but we can ask God to search our hearts 
uh, to do surgery if he needs to do surgery and to help us to have a heart that's more like him. But you know what? It's, it's funny that we don't like to talk about money in church. You know, it's like it's, it's always a bit awkward. But Jesus had a lot to say about money. He spoke about money so much. And even though money can be such a good thing and, and we all want more of it, right? Jesus never spoke about how to get more money. Oh, sorry, guys. That's a bummer, huh? Hey? But Jesus spoke about developing a close relationship with God where we trust him as our good father to provide for us. And he spoke about how the way we use money affects our hearts. It affects who we are. And so today, as we, as we finish this series, we're talking about, um, we're going to look at moving from anxiety to trust. And let's look together at Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 34. And Jesus is talking and he says, so don't be worried about these things, saying, what will I eat? What will I drink? What will I wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I didn't put verse 34 in my notes. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Those are Jesus' words. And Jesus is saying to us that we need to move from, from being anxious to trusting him. And I like that he's saying, he's not saying that food and clothes are not important. Jesus was always at people's houses eating. Uh, he was feeding people. He fed 5,000. Food was clearly important to Jesus. The point of the verse, he's, he's saying you don't have to worry because God already knows that you need this stuff. God already knows. But Jesus is saying, don't let this stuff consume your thoughts. You've got to put God's stuff first. You've got to put his kingdom first and rather focus on the way you're living and then God will take care of everything you need. Isn't that awesome? And so when it comes to the things we need, we don't have to twist God's arm or persuade him. You know, we don't have to be like, God, I'm here. Like, don't forget. You know, it's, it's that time of the month and I really need you to come through. Please, please. No. Because God already knows our needs. And he, he's our provider and he loves to provide for us. He just wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him. But let's be real, hey? Anxiety is something that we all struggle with. And you may be someone who, who's, who struggles with chronic anxiety or, or someone who's just like once in a while you struggle with anxiety, but it's something that we all experience sometimes. And especially after COVID, it's got a bit worse. And you guys know about that. Some of you, you know, through you had to stop school and, and all sorts of stress related to your schooling. Some of you maybe matric. But... COVID actually made things more difficult. And, and recently we watched this, this video. It was an interview with a guy called John Aldridge. He wrote a book called Wild at Heart. And they were making the point that, um, you know, be, they were talking about the effect of COVID on people's mental health. And they were saying that before COVID, on average, each year, um, 
I think from all the, the flights across the world, 10 flights per year had to turn around and actually be, be landed because people were, were in emotional distress. In other words, they were having a freak out on the plane and they actually had to land the plane. 10 flights. I think that's pretty good, right? Only 10 flights. I mean, that's, that's not too bad. But then during COVID in 2021, they found the number shot up to 600 flights. That's a huge, that's a huge jump, eh? 600 fl flights had to be landed or return home because people were not in a good place emotionally. And it just tells you that, you know, people are, are, are stressed out. They're worried. And, and we know that worry is not a good thing, right? We all know that. Um, but do you know what worry does? Worry damages your health. Um, worry affects my sleep. Um, I know that, that, that doesn't, that's not true for Savello. He, he sleeps like a baby. Um, just kidding. But, <laughs> but, but how many of you can say worry affects your sleep, man? Worry affects the way we eat sometimes, you know, comfort food. We just need to, like, eat, and that's a problem. Worry disrupts your productivity because you can't concentrate. You can't, like, you know, think about anything else and the thing that you're worried about. Worry affects the way you treat others. Have you ever tried to ask somebody who's, like, seriously stressed, just ask them for something, and it's, it's like it's an explosion waiting to happen? It affects the way you treat others. And then worry makes it difficult for us to trust God fully. Because it's so difficult for, for faith and for fear to occupy the same heart. There's a difference between concern and worry. Concern will move you to action. Concern gets you going. Concern makes you plan for the future because because you want things to go well. Worry immobilizes you. What's the saying? It's, uh, um, worry won't empty tomorrow of its trials, it'll empty today of its strength. And it's a good thing to, to plan for the future, to save for the future. There's things we need to save for. We need to save for our studies, we need to hopefully buy a house one day, uh, um, you know, or just get a, like a, a cushion so that we can, we can have something in case of emergencies. And we've got to get to a point where, we, where we're giving God our best. We're giving God our tithe, our 10%, and we're giving it to Him first. And we've got to plan for these things. Uh, we've got to plan to, to spend less than we earn. That's quite difficult, eh? But with God's help, with Jesus, we can do all things, right? So we've got to do that. Why? Because then we'll have something left over when God speaks to us and says, I want you to be generous. I want you to go and help that person in need. And so we plan for these things, and, th and that's an awesome thing. It's good to plan. But worry leads us to hoard. We hold on to everything because we're scared that, 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 that we're going to lose it. You know, just this week, we, we were cleaning out the Malkbos building, and so we went room by room. It was absolutely awesome. We loved it, hey? No? <laughs> Spring clean. But, you know, you, there's stuff in there that's been there for 10 years, 
And you know what happens, hey? You, you, you look at this, you say, we paid money for this, maybe we will use it sometime, you know? Like years later, it's just still sitting there. Um, but this is stuff that we, that we could give away. We could actually use it, we could make money from it, sell it, or we could just bless another church and say, hey, why don't you use this? But we hoard stuff. And you know what? We do the same with our money. We hold on to stuff because we don't feel like we've got enough. And so we've got to hold on to it because we, we're afraid that, that the bad days are ahead. We're afraid something bad might happen. You know, what if, what if the economy crashes? What if I lose my job? Uh, what if, I don't know, I get um, knocked over by a car? I, I can't think of anything. But what if, what if, what if something goes wrong? Worry makes us tight-fisted. We're worried about running out. And you know what we end up doing? We end up putting our trust in money rather than in God. And that's a very dangerous thing. Jesus spoke straight to people. And in one passage in, in Luke chapter 12, he told this story. find my space. How do we used to do this? Okay. There we go. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Page 580. <laughs> Jesus told this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. That's awesome, huh? He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. That's a good thing. You know, God had blessed him. And he was like, you know, what do I do with all this, this blessing that God has given me? Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And then I will store my surplus grain. I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be with, with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. And so when we, when we read the story, this guy, he was so concerned about financial security, and that became the focus of his life but it, it took the place of his relationship with God and it stopped him from being generous. His trust was in his money and not in God. But you know, the, the, the phrase that really stands out to me is verse 21. It says he was not rich towards God. And, and what does that mean, you know, to be rich towards God? I think to be rich towards God is to have a relationship with God where, where you know that God is your provider and you trust him, and you experience God providing for you. But you know what? You don't, you don't trust in, the, in, in what he gives you. You trust in God. And so your hand is open, and when he says, I want you to share that, you, you're ready to share that. And you know what? When you do that, God blesses you with more because what God can get through you, he will get to you. And you know what, as you, as you allow God's love to flow through you, you experience God's love more deeply, and you experience joy 
and you experience God in, as, as father, as provider in a whole new way, why? Because you're rich towards God. And as I think about this story, I think that could be my story, you know. There's been times where I've thought, you know what, I've, I, I've, this is what I've, I've managed to do. I've got a house. Um, I've got this money. And you know what, if, if something goes wrong, at least that's my backup plan. And you know what I'm doing? I'm actually trusting in money instead of God. And I've realized how easy it is to go there. But God says, no, don't do that. Trust in me. I am your provider. And when we do that, we, we experience what it means to be rich towards God, to live with an open hand, to be generous. I, I remember this one time we were living in Zambia and uh, Jess and um, the kids and I, we were on this trip. It was a long trip to Livingston and we had to cross the Zambezi. Kids were really young, they were babies. And um, you know, the, the, the pontoon, okay, it's called a pontoon, but it's, it's like a ferry. And it's basically this, this piece of metal that, that floats across the river. It's got two engines and um, it takes a whole lot of cars. So as many cars as possible pile on, onto this pontoon. It takes faith, you know, that you're gonna get to the other side. And um, this, this one particular day, the pontoon was, um, the river was uh, flowing fast. Uh, there's hippos and crocs in the river. And about five kilometers downstream, there's a waterfall. And um, so we, we were actually the second last trip that was going to be made that day. We got onto the, to the ferry. We got to the other side. And we were just so grateful, you know. We got there. The thing I didn't tell you is that only one of the two engines was working. One of the engines was broken. But we were like, we're going to get to the other side. We're going to do it, you know. It's, it's a bad sign when you see them like, like with a, a bucket of water and constantly pouring water over the engine that's working, you know, just to keep it cool. Um, but, but, yeah, we got to the other side. We were on our way. We were happy. And then we got a message that the trip that came behind us, the other engine broke. And now the pontoon the ferry, I keep changing the word, but it was, it was floating down the river at a really fast pace. The problem is there's a, there's a um, waterfall five kilometers down the river, and it's jam-packed with people. I think there was even a bus on the, on the ferry, and um, it, the whole nation was in a panic. Messages were going around. Everybody was wondering what is going to happen. These people are stranded, and they, they, they're helpless, and they're just floating towards this waterfall. And we were actually wondering, what will people do? You know, like when, you know, people do crazy things when they panic. So we thought, are people going to jump in and swim to the, to the side, you know, try and make it before the crocs get them? Um, but fortunately, the army sent a helicopter. And, um, you know, they, I think they managed to hold on to some reeds on the side and slow the thing down. And they managed to lift people one by one to safety. And no one went down the waterfall. But you know what? I thought about that. I thought, can you imagine how much faith it took to not in your, in your panic, in your anxiety, do something foolish, but to, to wait and to trust that God's going to help you. So guys, that's what trust is all about. And when we've got anxiety about finances, about the future, we can move to a place of trusting God. And so what, what can we do? How do we do that? How do we move from anxiety to trusting God? I want to just share three simple things with you tonight, and it's, it's going to be really short.
But the first one is know the source. Know the source of your provision. Bible says that I look to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from him. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, Paul says, and the same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 verse 30, Jesus says, if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And then we know that Jesus taught us to pray. Give us today the food we need. He wants to be our provider. And he is the source. And we've got to remind ourselves about that. FNB is not our source. FNB is not our provider. God is our provider. And so every day, I, I, I want to encourage you to think of three things that you can thank God for. Just Think of three things and just take time to thank him. And at first you might be scratching your head and, 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 and trying to think of stuff. But you know what? As you start to thank him, you start to realize, you start to remember the breakthroughs he's given you. You start to remember the prayers he's answered, prayers he's answered the, the provision. You start to remember all the things that God has done for you. And the Holy Spirit can drop something in your heart. And it builds your trust because you remember God is my source. God is my provider. The second thing is we need to know the limits. Know the limits of our money. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And so it says that we mustn't trust in money because money is so unreliable. Money makes promises it can't keep. Money promises I will never leave you or forsake you, but it does every time. Money promises fulfillment. Money promises happiness. But if you chase money for money's sake, you will get to the end of your life and you will find that it, it, it didn't keep any of those promises, that it let you down. Money isn't bad. We, we, we know that. Uh, we can use money to, to do good. We can store up our treasures in heaven by, by serving others, by, by building God's kingdom. But we mustn't trust in money. Money can't buy a sense of purpose. I love this quote by Nikki Gumbel. It says, purpose in life is far more important than property or possessions. Having more to live for is no substitute. Having more to, um, having more to live with. Okay, we're together. It's no substitute than having more to live for. Okay. So purpose in life is so much more important than property or possessions. And then the third thing, you need to know that you can trust. You need to know that you can trust God. And that's the kind of relationship that God is inviting us into. And I want to ask the worship team if they wouldn't mind coming to the stage. God is inviting us into a relationship where we, where we trust God to provide for us, where we trust God for our futures, where we trust God that he knows what's in our futures, he knows what's ahead, and he knows what we need, and he wants to provide for us. Some of us have heard of 
Corrie ten Boom. Uh, she was a, a, a lady, a Christian lady, and during the Second World War, she helped protect many Jews from the Nazis. She risked her life and actually ended up going into a concentration camp uh, with her family. Her family died in the concentration camp. But she, she gave it all up to serve God. And God worked out his plan. God used her to, to, to save many lives. And she herself was freed and she, and she spoke to many people about God's forgiveness. She helped people put their lives back together. But this is what she said. She said, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Her future was unknown, but she realized that she can trust her future to a God that she knows. And maybe you feel like there's, there's stuff in your future which is unknown. Uh, maybe you feel like there's stuff in your future that, that makes you afraid, that, that makes you anxious. But we can trust our futures to God. We can trust that God's plan is better than any plan that we can have. That He promises, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet right now. And we just want to take a moment um, to declare our faith in God. To declare that our trust is not in finances, but our trust is in God, the one who provides. In that place where you're saying, you know what, I, I'm experiencing anxiety, but, but I, want to, I want to move towards trust. You know, when we put our trust in God, it's actually a weapon that actually moves anxiety away from us and it positions our hearts before God to hear His call. And tonight, I just want to pray for us tonight. If, if that's you tonight, you're saying, I, wanna, I need to put my trust in God. I need, a, I need a breakthrough tonight. Maybe I need a breakthrough in my life, in, in my family. In my, I need a breakthrough in a job or... or just, I need God's provision. He's the God who provides. So can I ask you tonight, especially if you're just saying, you know what, I want to trust God. I want to put my trust in Him. Can I ask you just to lift your hands to God tonight. And God, I, you see the hands that are raised tonight, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our provider. That you're a good father. And that you give good gifts to your children. And Lord, you see our hearts tonight, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord God, that you would help us to lift our eyes to you and to realize, Lord, that you care for us. Help us to trust in you, Lord God. And to not trust in ourselves, not trust in our finances, Lord, which is so unreliable. But God, help us to trust in you. I pray, Lord God, tonight that you would help us, Lord, to move to a place of peace, to a place of trusting in you. In Jesus' name, Lord God pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Of course, we want to remember that God is our source. Uh, we also want to know our limits so that we're not living beyond that and actually feeling stressed and almost strangled by the pressure. And we also want to, of course, know that we can trust God. And, um, I don't know if you guys know the story of the prodigal son. 
where he asks for his inheritance before his father passes away. And he's saying, I want it now. He's almost not trusting God's time. And you might be feeling the pressure um, around you that you actually want things now that are going to come to you, but, but you're actually determined, so determined, that you actually are willing to walk away from the father's house in a way. And the prodigal son walks away from his father. He squanders the wealth he gets on wild living. And, and he ends up in poverty. And then he comes to his senses and he says, In my father's house, even the servants have food to spare. I want you to think about that. He's saying, in my father's house, under my father's care, even the ones who are servants, are, got, the care for them is so great that there's food to spare. How much more will it be for sons and daughters like you in your father's house? And you know what he does? He returns to his father and he trusts his father again. He trusts his father's process. He trusts his father's covering and his father's care. And you know what happens is he makes his way back. His father sees him and he has this plan to say, I repent. And that's good because sin is to do what you know you should not do. It's, it's to walk away from what you ought to do. And he walked away from what he, had, he should have done. So the, the repentance wasn't bad. But then he said, I don't deserve to be your son. But you know what his father does? He runs to him and shows him compassion. And he accepts him. And I want to let you know, if you have walked away from trusting God, like James has said, it, God's response to you will be compassion, love, and great care and forgiveness. Immediate. If you walk towards Him, Scripture says you come walk towards God, He'll come close to you. Not only will He come close to you, He'll run to you, arms wide open. And I want to encourage you that in your Father's house, there'll be food enough to spare for you. There'll be enough provision for you. There'll be enough care. And even better, His timing will be perfect. But you need to trust God. You need to come back to Him. I remember my first year of marriage, we, our furniture, everything was broken. My wife was a student. I was a youth pastor. And it was such an awesome time. The next year, she qualified as a doctor, and we were rich. I said, let's live, get, move away from this brokenness and buy some fixed things. But you know what? Nothing changed. The, the blessing actually came in contentment, not in acquiring things. And I encourage you, don't chase after this world. Chase after your Father, gratitude and contentment. And you will experience the joy that God wants to give you. But you need to come back to your Father. Just close the eyes quickly. Maybe you know you've drifted away from God. He's not Lord of your life. How do you know He's not Lord? He's not first in your life. For God to be Lord of your life, it means He's first in your life. He's not second. He's not third. And if something else has become a priority or something else you trust in more, it means He's not Lord. And there's a few hundred times Scripture speaks about Him being your Savior. And over 2,000 times it speaks about Him being Lord. A lot of us want Him to be our Savior, but not our Lord. But when we come to Him and return to Him, we say, will you save me? I repent of my sins. And will you be the Lord of my life? Maybe He's not the Lord of your life and you need to come back. Or maybe you haven't asked Him to forgive you. Right now, I want to give you an opportunity to come back to God. How? I want to lead you in a prayer. If that's you, I'd love to have the privilege of leading you in that prayer. And just with every eye closed, I respect for people who want to come back to God. I'm going to count to three. If that's you saying, I need to come back to God, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to ask Him to forgive me. And I'm going to ask Him to be the Lord of my life. I want to come under His care. I want to receive His salvation and His Lordship and His leadership. One, 
two, three. Pop your hand up if that's you. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just saying, that's me. Just pop your hand up. Say, lead me in that prayer, Andre. I need to come back to God. God bless you. Anyone else? Just saying, that's me. I'm coming back tonight. I don't want to live any longer away from Him. I want to return to my Father. Awesome. Guys, can put your hands down. Let's quickly pray as a church family. Jesus, I'm coming back to you. I want to repent of my sins. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, I'm changed, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's just give Jesus praise in this place. If, can I have everyone look across there quickly? Eddie's going to open a door um, that no man can shut. Bible jokes anyway, but they can shut it anyway. We've actually got a prayer room down there. We'd love to pray with anyone who made a decision. You might not even have put your hand up, but you want somebody to pray with you. You want to take a next step in following Jesus. I encourage you to go down there. If you actually want prayer, you haven't put your hand up, but you want to go there, you can go to that room. We've got prayer counselors. And that's the next step for anyone who's made a decision for Jesus, to learn your next, um, about the course following Jesus. It's on our website, viewchurch.ca.ca. And they'll also have more info. If you want us to pray for you, remember there are cards in the seat cover in front of you or under your chair. We'll cover you in prayer this week. Write out your prayer request. Uh, don't wonder what's happening. Know that we, we serve you through prayer. If it's a private prayer request, you have to put your name down on the card. Just, put, just write the prayer request down. If you want to get connected to a view group or find out about your next step or get your first free cappuccino, the red banner, I love my view group, is your next step. Go get connected there. And you can use your, put your prayer card in the bucket at the back as you walk out. Have an awesome week. Let's honor James. Thanks so much, James. Let's honor him for that message. Awesome. God bless you guys.